welcome to Life and Dev. This is a podcast where gay makers talk from Berlin. So today we're at the ETB, which is the English Theatre Berlin, and we've just seen a show called Hashtag InstaLove, which is Catherine Duquette uh, as many different people on stage. And I'm really excited to introduce someone who has also presented her games at the event, and that's Francisca. Francisca Zena. Hi. Hi, everyone. <laughs> Thanks for coming. Um, we also have an audience uh, because we've just seen the show and some people have stuck around. Thank you for stick sticking around, everybody. Uh, so this puts extra pressure on Francisca. Sorry. <laughs> um, but you have three games showing. So let's start by talking about your games. So what are you showing outside in the foyer? Um, so there are three games on display. Um, the exhibition was actually curated by Lorenzo from Berlin Game Scene, who's uh, right over there. And... Uh, All three games deal in one way or another with relationships, with friendship, with love, with sex, or what I consider all of those things. And um, one game is called Social Me, and it's um, it's kind of it's a game where um, players interact with a fake desktop interface, and um, you're just trying to dig through whatever you you see. Um, you're trying to make sense of it all, and it's um, um, the art style is very. Um, I don't know. It, it reminds me of when I was a teenager. It's um, it started when I created it. It started off with, you know, ICQ and um, that kind of like that chat interface and everything. And it was um, it was basically really easy for me to replicate because I'm not an artist and it's pixel by pixel, so I could just draw it. Um, that's one of the games. And there, in, in that game, you you just talk to your friends, uh, you chat with them, you you talk to strangers, and you're trying to make uh, or you, you're discovering the relationships that you or the person uh, who owns that computer has with those people. And in a way, I wanted it to be sort of a reflection on on life, on social media, and like the bigger picture of social media, so even including chatting, um, what we reveal about it. And I guess the initial idea was actually privacy and us oversharing. Um, the, the title I wanted to have for that game, which is now called Social Me, I wanted it to be Nothing to Hide, um, but there was already a game called Nothing to Hide at that time, so um, I lost um, in that regard. <laughs> um, then the second game is called Kiss Me Maybe, and it's um, it's, a uh, it's a kissing competition where you're at a bar with your friend, and um, the goal is to kiss as many boys as possible before the bar closes, and so you're just trying to navigate yourself through the bar, and um, you obviously don't want to fall in love with anyone. You don't want to go home with anyone because in that context, that means that you're losing. Um, and then <laughs> the last game was a game, or the game um, is called Single Player, uh, which I made to, together with uh, Major Bueno. It's um, two guys called Marios and Bene. And they did this, um, they did a Euro trip uh, visiting different indies in Europe. And um, they had a game jam with each one of them. And I was the person that they visited in Berlin. And we were fascinated by... Um, Well, by actually by Tinder, even though none of us has had ever played Tinder at that or used Tinder at that time. I and call it playing. Let's yeah. call it for what it is. It's playing Tinder. Yeah, good. And we just like we were fascinated by this idea of like, uh, you know, or when I was young, there was this TV show where you were given like a shopping trolley and you were allowed to run through like the supermarket and you you could throw in everything you could into like your shopping trolley before the time runs out. And uh, <laughs> I think Basically. someone had the name for that. What was the name? Supermarket Speed. Supermarket Speed? 
sweep supermarket sweep that well, you have so basically that have that, that's like that was my when tinder first uh, came out that was my impression of what tinder was it was mm. like <laughs> let me try and get it all and we just wanted to bring like that like that uh like it's a very i don't know you, you don't face that person when you swipe yes or no and we wanted to change the setting and put it at a, at a dinner table and um like have that have those like the, the like have people face the reaction of it Mm-hmm. So those are the three games, basically. <laughs> <laughs> so going back to the first one, so this feels like, it, like you said, it's a teenager. So it feels a little bit like a teenage simulator. And yeah. uh, when I was playing it, I had so many little surprises in it that kind of made me laugh. And it, uh, you play a lot with people's perception of what you're going to find in there as well. So can you maybe talk about your little hidden in, hidden excitements and hidden surprises in that game a little bit? Like, where does that come from? Um, so... I think it goes it goes back a little further because I, I I I do struggle a lot with creating content when I make games and I always think that I'm not a, you know I'm not an artist I'm not a writer and but I like my games to be um, very heavy on a narrative um, so what I what I actually always do is I go into my chat histories with my friends and I just copy paste it and I put it in games <laughs> um, so even which is I mean even though it feels like like your teenage years. I made that game when I was 24, and the chat conversations were from when I was 24. Um, and it's an actual time capsule. I guess in a way, but I, I think it's also interesting because people read into it what they want to read into it, and I, what using actual chat conversations helps me use uh, really good language that people can relate to because it was an actual conversation. It feels like one too when you're playing. Yeah. Uh, even though some of them are a little exaggerated, but like th- those were actual conversations that apparently happened, and um, I th- I think it it just creates a really interesting um, like um, our players are able to put themselves into the perspective of who they are playing right now. It makes them it brings up memories, whether or not they were my memories when I created the game or not doesn't really matter, but it brings up emotions, and I yeah. I really find that interesting and um, powerful. It feels a little bit like the zeitgeist too at that time too with everyone's on MSN or ICQ or yeah, yeah this messenger feeling and having lots of different tabs open and talking mm-hmm. to lots of different friends. So I, yeah, definitely felt some of my childhood there too. So, um, But you do also have like still there's lots of hidden layers in there. So how did you get to the point where you uh, – do you want to talk about them? Do you want to give an example? Yes. Uh, so when you first opened the game, I came out to Francisca. I was inside and I was like, oh, my God, is is the is the computer – do I need a lo- username and password? I hadn't realized I was in the game already. And she's like, oh, you'll figure it out. Uh, if you don't figure it out, come back in. And I was like, okay. Um, and you said, look at the password help. And I looked at the password help and it says uh, something like, um, what is the name of the person you first slept with? And I thought, okay, I'm going to be honest right now. And I wrote it in. Uh, and then it says, by the way, the password's 123ABC. <laughs> okay. Um, and later, the name that I had written into the game popped up at me again when I went searching through all the different things. And I thought, um, And it was like in your little deleted folder file kind of hidden in the back in this kind of quirky place. So, um yeah, you have some interesting things hidden there. So where did you get to with that? How did you get there? I think it's um, like, I think I do, I try to create a sort of an arc in my mm-hmm. games, whether or not I succeed or not. And sometimes I just leave it there. Um, 
but basically, yeah, the, the person you lost your virginity to, to me, is one of those questions that's like, well, you know, what's your mother's maiden name? It's like, it's such a, like, standard... <laughs> it's a password question exactly. to you. Exactly. And then you you have a password that's just, like, <laughs> the least secure password ever. And I think that's just what a lot of people do. And then that <laughs> I'm person... sorry, audience question here. How many people use the name of the first person that they had sex with as their password? Or at least as a security question. Or as a security question. Can anyone put their hand... Wow, I would just like the record to reflect that only one hand went up and that's the person I'm currently talking to on, on tape. Um, wow. I guess maybe... maybe okay, I, I like it. I, it's just... It was a surprise to me and I thought it was a nice surprise. But um, well, So that name is also actually used in the, in the... Like you can talk to that person on chat. Um, I'm using that name there as well. And I, I guess the arc there is that at, in the beginning, that person is blocked. Um, at some point, you have, you're allowed to unblock that person. Um, then you can talk to them. And I I, to, I don't know, I, I usually block people that I, you know, I dated and I no longer date them. Um, to me, it's, it's a common thing to do. I, I erase them from Facebook because I don't want to see them. And I, I delete their phone numbers and all those kind of things. So it's, it, to me, it's pretty... It felt normal that that person would be blocked on my ICQ. I think that's fair. <laughs> I think in a, a mythical land where it had the first person I slept with on my ICQ, yeah, that sounds about right. Sure. Yeah, no, I'm going to go with that. Um, yeah, sure. <laughs> um, that's an interesting, yeah, it was, a, it was a nice and kind of funny development and it made me giggle because I was just like, oh, that's sneaky, but I like it. <laughs> um, okay, so on to the second game then. Um, so in this one, you talk about kind of running through bars, trying to kiss people, but losing if you fall in love or go home with someone. So that's also the time that you're talking about when you made this game or when you're referring, you're talking about a, a, a past you or is this a current you? You lose if you go home with someone or you fall in love. Um, so um, it's actually a game my friends and I played when we were 18. So, or we played once actually, we went to a bar and we, we decided that the goal was to kiss as many boys as possible. And so we just went from boy to boy, kissed them, and I moved on to the next one and all that kind of things. And I, but I think if I, like when I made the game, and it, it's actually it's a tiny prototype that I, um, that I made, um, I was trying to put in, or you want to add like win-lose conditions and you want to add a high score and all that kind of things. Um, <laughs> like yeah. in a way of like taking real life and yeah. like silly things, funny things you did in real life and putting them into a game. I think you need to add a couple of things. Mm -hmm. um, and to me, yeah, I mean, if you go home with someone in that game context, you lose because you cannot kiss any more boys. That's like, true. It made total sense to me. Yeah, that's true. Um, you've ruined the game mechanic in that. Yeah, you've. Mm. Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> um, so when did you make this game and when was it a, like it's a bit autobiographical biographical so you were 18 when you did this with your friend when when we played the real life version when you yes. played the real life yeah. version and so this is a um yes a different version of that but when have you made this one that so. one was uh, maybe two years ago because these are games have also like spread over a few years when you've made them yeah as well. it was all um most of them are at least the first two uh, so social me and um um Kiss Me Maybe, they were part of, uh, or I did them in grad school. Mm -hmm. And um, so the kissing game was actually, it was I was taking part of um, a prototype class by Bennett Fadi, and we had to make one prototype a week. And if we didn't want to make a prototype during that week, uh, we could just make a presentation about why we didn't complete the goal and uh, or why we didn't com complete the assignment. And um, 
that was the last assignment and I don't actually remember what the actual assignment was but I was really annoyed and for some reason I was like oh I'm just gonna make a twine game out of not wanting to do this and then all of a sudden I was like oh actually there's this game I've always wanted to make let me just write this down and then it turned into something and people responded really well to it so I kept like I added stuff to it I added stories to it um, the stories that are currently in there are actually also all real stories that happened to my roommate at the time, to me at the time, just funny, awkward encounters that you have when you go out, when you party, um, and writing them down, I like. I always found it funny and interesting. Um, so I, I guess what I'm trying to say, it all happened in like around the same time. I, I would like to think that I've moved on and I've <laughs> grown up a little, but then... Uh, in a way, the games that I, I think about making, the games that I'm working on, they still deal with very similar topics because mm -hmm. I just find it so fascinating. Yeah. Um, and the next one, then, the, the uh, Tinder game. <laughs> Tinder game. Um, as if that's not already a game. Um, yeah. So that's just a couple of years old as well. Yeah, that one was made when I first moved to Berlin. Yeah, yeah. okay. Um, so how many, like... What, when you're interested in these themes of like love and relationships, what is the most interesting thing for you? It seems like it's, for me, from an outside perspective, it looks like connections and how you make those connections. But what would you... I think the awkwardness. Because I think there's, like, if you look at it from an outside perspective, there's so much awkwardness happening. If you if you reread chat conversations that you've had, they're, they're ridiculous. Why would you, like, when you, <laughs> moments where you were super emotional and you, you wrote down how, how, how you feel and how hurt you are and then you read it a couple of years later and it's just like, what the fuck was I thinking? Like, like, why was I exaggerating? Couldn't I just take a step back and be a little cool about it? And I find that, I don't know, I find, like it's the awkwardness, it's just life and emotions that play into how we interact with each other. I find that interesting. Um, I think maybe we're a little bit crappy about expressing them through written word as well. I think that's also doesn't help sometimes. It's, yeah, and that saves really well too. Like you can't get rid of those words so easily. Hmm. <laughs> Which is also great. It's great material. Great material to put into your games retrospectively. Mm. Uh, did you ask all of your friends for permission? Uh, I did, yeah. And how did they feel about having their... Well, no one knows... Well, okay, one is my roommate. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I think they're fine, usually. I mean, so social media, I specifically ask people to share things mm -hmm. with me. So um, I... Uh, I ask people to go into chat roulette and have conversations there and just copy paste them, send them back to me. So I have them as material and I can edit them. Uh, I, w I mean, obviously I, I make them anonymous. Yeah. Um, and then the conversations in social media that you have with your friends, some of them are mine. Um, and I, people know about it, but in, in a sense, it also, it reveals a lot and also nothing. Because mm. I think they're so general that everyone or most people can relate to it and, um, no one's going to be like, oh, you know, that was your conversation with so-and-so. Can't, you can't figure that out. Because in your head, you also, you're thinking about conversations that you had that where you reacted in a similar way, where something similar happened to you. So I think there's a lot of, well, in German we call it Kopfkino, so like cinema in your head, um, that happens with the player and that anonymizes it even more. Yeah, I think you definitely reflect uh, on the things that you've said that are very similar for sure. Mm. I felt like that straight away. Also, the conversation with my mom. Uh, you talk to your mom in one of the games, and it's this really like. Um, I mean, a lot of games do this as well, where they use kind of a um, broad brushstroke mom that sort of in the background, and you ignore with your ICQ because you're busy talking to your friends. And I was like, yeah, sorry, mom. 
done that too. <laughs> I think we've all done that at some point with our mums. Poor mum. Also, what what is it uh, that you want to keep working on with these kind of games? What's what's the aim? So, when you work on relationship and care um, care games, where do you end? Where do you want to end up? Oh, that's a tough question. I'm oh, sorry. I, said I, I wouldn't know. throw you in a curveball. Well, um, uh, I mean, obviously, I would like to make money with it, but you know, is anyone going to buy those games? I'm not sure. Um, or <laughs> I don't know. In, I'm not sure if enough people would pay for it. Um, I don't know, it's tricky because in a way, like, you could also see them, I mean, art is such a, you know, it's a, it's a big word, but, like, you can see them as part of art. Yeah. Um, and then the question comes, if, like, do you actually want to sell them? A lot of them work best in, like, a exhibition context. So, again, there's a problem with, like, selling your art. Um, I don't know, I just, I think I would just like to keep making them because uh, if we look at the games that are out there, they're... There are some great games, but a lot of shitty and boring games. And I just, I would like to have my voice in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, in, I guess in general, I would like to, to voice what I think about what I what I find interesting and make games about that because I, you know, it increases the diversity in games in a way. Yeah. Um, I just want to do what I think is fun. We talk about this a lot about um, the games that are being produced currently. They're not really often what some of us want to play, and being in games. Uh, is viewed a certain way and the games that are being produced are a certain way and it's really frustrating that there isn't this kind of corner of the earth where we can kind of come together uh, and and make uh, silly fun things Mm -hmm. that express something else. So it's nice to find people that want to make silly fun things and show them. It's also nice to see it in a different context. Yeah. So what sort of places would you like to exhibit it uh, further? Like is this kind of um, uh, MoMA? something you think? Oh, okay, yeah. right. Okay, MoMA. Um, yeah, good. They would probably buy okay. It so well. more exhibition spaces than anything else. Yeah, what I, I guess what I find interesting with uh, like games in an exhibition context, or even like today that we show games in a theater, is that it reaches people that wouldn't usually play games, or you know when you talk to. Um, People are not in the games industry. They're not aware of the indie, indus- uh, indie games. They are often surprised when you send them links to, or even articles about games that are a little different. Mm. Um, because people have a yeah, perception of games. Well, all they know is you know Candy Crush and Counter Strike, and you know, you know, I play Candy Crush as well. It's, it's a great game, but I think uh, like I, w- I would like people to know about more games. Yeah. That there are games for everyone. Um, that there are different games, and they're. Um, Weird games, they're short games. Um, yeah, what was your question? <laughs> it was about where to exhibit oh, further on, but I, I like that you're yeah, trying to touch on to other audiences. Um, yeah. I guess that was going to be a question for the audiences. Uh, does anyone identify as, well, there are a few people who make games here, so uh, who identifies as a game player? A player of games. Okay, uh, of the audience, that's maybe about I don't know, like a fifth. Uh, who definitely does not play games? Okay, right. That's maybe half. Did everyone have a go at the games outside, or has anyone had a go at the games outside? Would you, as non-players, play the games outside, having a chat about relationships and love? Yeah, yeah. Would you rethink about games in general, knowing that this kind of corner of the earth exists in games? some people yeah cool okay an audience at a time that's not bad <laughs> um so trying to find these markets to actually get to people who 
don't usually play games. So far, have you have you f- found a way to do this, or what? <laughs> um, well, tough question. Uh, I did ex- uh, I did curate an exhibition at a like a Goethe Institute type uh, institution once, um, which was which was actually interesting because it's like again it's an it's a very very old academic sophisticated audience that yeah. cared a lot about the German language and um they um they read a lot of books and then we we had an exhibition about uh, in uh, like German speaking indie developers there and we also had a talk called uh, what sex got to do with it um which was about sex in and sexuality in video games and it was interesting because there there was a lot of interest in it uh, partly because they were interested in the institution and that's why they came they were regulars um but there was also yeah curiosity to find out what was going on and I, I i find those moments really interesting where you then connect like the the scene with other people and it's always really small though it always feels like it's one to one or yeah, like but i think that's fine you got to start somewhere and uh, like yeah it's great that like moma decided to add games to their permanent exhibition but and yeah. like that they use that power that they have to um to show games, to show good games, to show, show important games. Um, but then, yeah, am I ever going to curate an exhibition at MoMA? You know, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> Give me a couple of years. Okay. But I, I think, like, like you have to look at what, what is within your reach and then yeah. just do that. And, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Starting like I mean we're connected with Berlin game scene and I think that that's uh, an important place for also people coming together who make small things because it's hard to get the small things out and hard hard to show people small things and I think also when you're showing small things it takes a lot of effort mm. to get all of those things showing I mean to get three games showing is a lot of equipment and there's small pieces of work that can people can only sit with for a short time so mm. it's it's quite tough isn't it yeah yeah. Christina asked, what can be transported through video games that can't be transported through other media? Well, I think something specific that games can do and can add to that is that interaction that you have, yeah. uh, which you don't... I mean, you can have it, obviously, in in film. There can be an act- interaction between two actors, but it's not you. You're never part of that. Um, when you're reading a book, it's also it's one story. And um, in games, you, you have that exchange with another person. I think... Um, maybe that helps you immerse yourself in the situation. Maybe that helps you identify with it more. You're not passive. When you, you watch a movie, you read it. Well, reading is not exactly passive, but you're still rather passive in what you do. Um, and in games, you have to make choices. Or in some games, you have to make choices. You, you take up agency. Um, and I think that takes you a little deeper. Um, I'm not sure if it works for everyone, but I, you know, I'm happy if it does for some. What's your favorite situation which you observed, which you observed, <laughs> which you observed in daily life from Buster? Good question. Uh, I think, well, obviously that changes, but I think one right now where I think I would like to turn it into a game is uh, being ch- too shy to speak to someone. <laughs> um, when uh, you know, when you you meet someone, you meet a stranger, and you miss that moment when you could have had a regular conversation and then it turns really awkward and then you just don't say anything you or you just say awkward highs and then you know you you look at yourself and you're like oh my god how did my voice sound 
why was it like why was it high pitched and why can't I not have a normal <laughs> conversation with that person? What is that other person thinking? I find that really fascinating right now because I think I've I've gone through that a couple of times where I'm like ah how awkward is this? Is it, is it just awkward for me? Oh well, I think a lot of it is yeah, that that's what I feel, and then um, yeah, it's hard to observe if other people are. Uh, acting awkward in that moment or not so I think it actually yeah it has a lot to do with how I feel and then I observe myself um, and I I keep seeing patterns of when I do that and I'd like to think that I'm not the only one that acts weird oh <laughs> thank you <laughs> okay we have people putting their hands up to say they share the but feeling. I think it's actually an interesting like a very interesting observation that you made that um Yes, do I actually observe other people acting weird? I don't know. You know, it's it's maybe you feeling something and then maybe you can notice it a tiny bit with other people and then you build your story around it. I um, think some people are really good actors though too. So they might be super awkward, but they project confidence. Or the other way around is like, you know, yeah, I think you, you can't tell sometimes. <laughs> Courtney, just ask, what's the overreaching message of your games? The overarching message of your games. What are you really doing? I think I, what I'm really doing or what I, what I would like to do uh, is put a mirror in front of people and have them reflect on their behavior, on their small interactions. Um, I think maybe <laughs> like deep down I have like, like, you know, I'm a bit of a moral police um, even though that's terrible to admit, but like there's something like I would like people to reflect more on how they interact, how they behave in a funny way um, so they can laugh about it. Um, maybe. Yeah, no, oh, Eric asks <laughs> if you perceive love as a game. No, I don't think love is a game. Um, even though, I, I mean, obviously, if you look at like the small interactions you have with people, like in relationships there is often a game of like do I call first or do I wait if he calls and um like I've played that game many many times and I'm I'm really good at it but I <laughs> do you like to play that game well yes and no I'm also like right now I'm trying to step back from it and not play games anymore and like be upfront and be honest and be vulnerable and I think um trying to be like Kit is that what's going on <laughs> Well, I, th I think it's like I, you know, even though I, I really enjoy, well, I do enjoy making games about emotions and that kind of stuff. I'm like, people that know me know that I'm not the most emotional person or I never, I rarely display my emotions. I, I try to, you know, I try to have a straight face and, um, you know, I often get asked why I don't smile more, you know, that kind of stuff. Ooh. Yeah, I know. <laughs> different context to it as well. But I, so I think maybe that's my outlet of uh, playing with emotions, like letting them out, reflecting on them, because I don't always allow myself to do that in real life. In your own words, is seriousness the opposite of games? Oh, is seriousness, seriousness no, the opposite of games? To be serious, if that's the opposite? No, I don't think, I mean, games can be serious. Um, all those games, even though, you know, you read those chat conversations, like, for example, there's the one with Leon that you have in social media. Uh, it's a conversation I had with my best friend, Steven, after I had a complete breakdown in front of my ex-boyfriend. And you read it. And I mean, I laugh about it now. But that moment, that was definitely not funny. It was ridiculous. I mean, it was a mess. And it was, it was absurd. Um, so I think, like, I do take that moment very serious. But I... 
I just think when you put it on paper and you read it out again, it's just, I mean, you can't help but laugh about it mm. because it, it, it yeah, it, it is absurd in a way. It is like, it makes you cringe because it's, it's so horrible. Why did that person, why did I do that? Um, so no, I don't think like, like I think games can be serious. Um, but I, I think you can also be lighthearted about it. Um, yeah, about I serious think there's, situations. A, there's a playfulness to what you're doing with, yeah. with things perhaps mm. are a little bit, or, you know, from your real life and perhaps from a difficult place in your real life, but it does come across as quite playful, which I think is really nice. Yeah. So I think, yeah, we can still be playful and serious, right? And love is a serious <laughs> game. <laughs> wow, that sounds like someone really famous and really, you know, really on it said that. Um, okay, well, I think, I think we might actually might have to call it quits, sadly. Um, but thank you all for sticking around to have a listen. And please play some games afterwards and check out what we've been talking about and check out what Francesca's been working on and all of her weird conversations that you now know are from her 18-year-old self. Thank you, 18-year-old Francesca, for, for that. Uh, you've really given us a great gift. <laughs> uh, and thanks for listening into Life and Dev. Um, this is a podcast where game makers talk from Berlin. I'm Elise Turnover, and that's the episode. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you.